chapter 14. I read from verse 1. Just to give you a background to this chapter of the scriptures, this is Jesus' words during the season when he was about to go to the cross. He was about to be crucified. So he was preparing his apostles, his disciples, to face his absence. Hallelujah. To face his physical absence. So, John chapter 14, from verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. He knew his absence would trouble his disciples. So he told them, take a hold of your heart. Don't allow your heart to trouble you. I know your heart will trouble you when I'm gone. But take a hold of your heart. Hallelujah. Take a hold of your heart. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know. And the way, ye know. So, Jesus was Telling, assuring his disciples that I'm going somewhere and you people already know where I'm going. But one of the disciples, Thomas, answers and says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Meaning, though they walked with Jesus and Jesus kept talking of the kingdom, he even told them about his death and resurrection. He told them he would come back after three days they should meet him in Galilee. Everything he told them. But they were not still prepared to face this season in their life where Jesus' physical presence will no longer be with them. So Thomas is asking, how, how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man coming unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. So Jesus is telling his disciples, All this while you have been walking with me, I believe you must have known the Father. If you have been close enough, if you have been attentive to the lectures that have been given to you for these three years, by now you should know the Father. So that's what Jesus was telling you. These are, these are Jesus' parting words. It's just like maybe someone is about to die and is writing his will. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he said, if he had known me, meaning if you have been with me these three years, Going out for, you know, outdoor crusades, indoor crusades in the synagogue, on mountains, around the seashore, or 
we have gone around, people have slept with, we have, we have eaten on the same table together. If you have been this close with me, Jesus is saying, then you should know the Father. But Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Meaning, though they had been walking with Jesus all these years, they still did not yet come to that point where they knew the Father. I mean, Jesus' ministry is the best ministry I believe, or the best example of ministry I believe you could ever have on this planet. Talk of miracles. There's no miraculous ministry that can beat it, that can compare to the miraculous ministry of Jesus. Those guys saw all kinds of miracles. They saw somebody whose hand was made, and Jesus said, stretch it, and they asked, stretch in front of them. They saw, in fact, the rabbi of rabbi answer the Pharisees and silence all their attempts to trap him with wisdom. They saw all of that, yet, Philip is still. Jesus says, by now you should know the Father. Yet Philip says, show us the Father. So, church attendance, or just being around church, does not mean you already know the Father. Amen. Amen. I'm getting somewhere, I've not gotten to my, like, the thing, the main scripture. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and he survived us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with long, long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me? Philip, he that had seen me had seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So Jesus said, If you had been, if you have seen me, and this sin, I believe, is not just physical sin, it's Annoying. If you have fellowship with me, you will know the Father. There were, there were many people who misinterpreted Jesus' identity. There were times even when he was entering Jerusalem, you know, they were hailing him and calling him the prophet of Nazareth. When they asked who is causing this uproar in Jerusalem, during his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, they said the prophet of Nazareth. But was Jesus just a prophet? But all through Jesus' ministry, when he was already coming to Jerusalem, where he was to fulfill the pinnacle of his ministry, which was dying on the cross, people still saw him as a prophet. All those years. And that's why Jesus did not want to take chances. There was a time he just asked them straight, Who do you say I am? And Peter answered by revelation, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe this, he answered this before this moment. Yet, Philip should have just revised his notes. He should have just gone back to his nose. And, I mean, Jesus confirmed that utterance and said, Flesh and blood did not believe this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. He should have told you what? But he still asked him, Show us the Father. And Jesus said, 
And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? You can't be asking me that. But Jesus did not postpone his agenda. He did not say, because you people don't know me, I will postpone the cross yeah. and increase the lectures. <laughs> He didn't postpone it. He kept on. Because he, there was a season, he even told them, there is much more I have to tell you where you cannot bear it. So he knew that there needs to be a change of lecturers for them to understand his dimension. So he knew he would physically be taken away, but another lecturer will come who will guide them into and Jesus was ready to leave them in this level of doubt. Even if you don't know, I'll still go to the outreach. I will postpone the cross. I'll still go to the cross. Because the lecturer is coming. Mm. Even in your doubts, he is an anointing that teaches you all things. Even in an absence of a teacher. We are talking about the spirit of adoption. I just want to lay a foundation. Jesus continues, Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. You know, Jesus is trying to elaborate the fact that indeed, if you have seen him, you have seen the Father. And I believe the lecture is stated that he's struggling to assimilate these things. That's he's struggling to assimilate them. So he continues, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do the Father, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. This where I I believe I can begin. I will pray the Father. And he will give you another comforter. I will pray the Father. Another. Just like me. I know, remember from the beginning I said these are Jesus' parting words. He's preparing his disciples to get acquainted with the fact that his physical presence will no longer be with them. He's trying to tell them that present, there is another comforter coming. If he says there is another comforter, it means he has been a comforter. Mm. Amen. Amen. That means his presence is comforting. He knows that his presence in the lives of the disciples gave them a level of confidence. 
Get the level of assurance. Get the a, a level of intimacy. And he knew that when he's taken away from them, there will be a void. And another couple that in his likeness would have to fill that void. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Hallelujah. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless. Amen. We are talking about the spirit of adoption. I will not leave you comfortless. It will be it will, it will be a crippling experience for you to be a child of God and be comfortless. We are not supposed to be comfortless. Hallelujah. Amen. If you understand the meaning of being comfortless, you will know that as a child of God, it's not a position for us to be in. You can be serving in church, doing everything, and still be comfortless if you don't understand the spirit of adoption. Hallelujah. I will not leave you comfortless. When you check the word comfortless in the scriptures, when you check the concordance, the Greek meaning of this comfortless, it means orphanos, which means orphan. So, Jesus knew that his physical absence will believe his disciples. They will feel as if they are believed. They will feel as if they are abandoned. They will feel as if no, in fact, the person they have given up their hopes for, you know, they gave away their fishing business, they, Matthew left his tax collection, tax collection, and everything to follow him. And all their hopes were centered on Jesus. And now Jesus is about to be taken away. So he says, I will not leave you comfortless. And that comfortless is offered. I will not leave you an orphan. Let me give you some symptoms of an orphan. An orphan feels insecure. An orphan feels hopeless. An orphan feels unloved. Do you know even Jesus needed an affirmation of the love of God. During his baptism, after the baptism, the heavens opened. The Bible said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am born peace. That was an affirmation of love. Jesus, as sinless and perfect as he was, still needed an affirmation of love. He still needed to know that he is the beloved of the Lord. And from, from that same baptism, he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted 
of the devil. And during the temptation, the first thing Satan comes to, and that is if you are truly the Son of God. Or if God really loves you, if He really hears you, if He really honors you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Praise the Lord. So, and he told them, I will send you another comforter. So this comforter here is talking about the Holy Spirit. And this is who I refer to as the spirit of adoption. Because we can't have the physical presence of Jesus now. But we have the spiritual presence of the Holy Ghost. But the problem is, unless you have the spirit of adoption, you can't discern that presence. Unless you have the spirit of adoption, though you are born again, you see, at times have that tendency to feel hopeless. You still have fear. Remember when Adam sat in the garden of Eden? The Bible says when God came walking in the cool of the he came to, to visit them. The first uh, uh, reflex he had was to go and hide. He was ashamed. Why? Because the glory was lifted. He was separated from the Lord. And that's when he inherited the spirit of bondage, which is what I would also call the orphan spirit. We, as a Christian, you are not supposed to carry an orphan spirit, a spirit of bondage. You are, not, you are supposed to sense the presence of God. We were just saying here, your presence is heaven to me. Is that presence really heaven to you? Or is it just lyrics? Or is it just a tune? Is it just a song? The spirit of adoption. Hallelujah. Amen. And he said, I will send you another comforter. Now let's see what that comforter comes to do in your life. Amen. Amen. The spirit of adoption. What the spirit of adoption comes to do in your life. Let's open to First uh, John chapter two, verse one and two. First John chapter two, verse one and two. Please, if you're there, you read. First John chapter two, verse one and two. Advocate. 
The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2 here, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So Jesus, in his ministry as the comforter, is an advocate. And who is an advocate? He's a lawyer. Someone who stands to plead for someone guilty. Who stands to uh, defend somebody who is about to be condemned. Hallelujah. So, you see, in the lives of the apostles, or the disciples, during the early ministry of Jesus, do you know those guys break a lot of commandments? There were times, according to the traditions of the elders, normally you don't need with unwashed hands. Those guys will be on wash hands. When they want to talk, Jesus will, you will defend the guys, you will cover up. The guys, the guys are just feasting. They, they don't fast, they eat, they, 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 are just, they are just feasting. Even the disciples of the Pharisees fast. The disciples of John fast. But as for those, they were just feasting. But even in the midst of their, when they come and ask, why are you guys not fasting? Because we know that it's the operational of every person that should be spiritual or connect with God. Why are they not fasting? Jesus said, no, the bridegroom is around, no, you know. He's doing advocacy. That there was a time they were hungry, they just entered during the Sabbath day, they were just harvesting their gifts of corn and just doing. And then, when they wanted to accuse and the advocate said, they, they don't you remember David, shoe bread, the guys. The guys are shoe bread now. And the Son of Man is mightier than a feast. He is Lord of the Sabbath. That means, that I am, without me, Sabbath has no significance. Sabbath is a shadow. I am Sabbath. I am Lord of the Temple. Without me, the Temple is a building. That Jesus was doing advocacy. So, whatever they think he was there to intercede for them, he will advocate for them. There were many times, even there was, there was a time they became an astrotaxis. The guys had left their fishing nets, so they didn't, they, they didn't have money. And Jesus said, ah, Let's not offend them, just go and cast your, 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 your hook in the, in, the, in the sea, the first fish that comes out. Get a coin and pay. Let's not offend them. Hallelujah. So you see, all through Jesus was doing advocacy. He was advocating for them. And that is the place of a comforter. Do you feel that advocacy in your life? When you feel condemned. For there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we have an advocate. Who reminds you of all things? Who reminds you of the atonement? That's why I say, little children, these things write out unto you. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. If you stay too long in sin or in condemnation, it's because you are not you are not tuned to the ministry of the advocate. You you you, you are not connected to the comforter. Hallelujah. Amen. And he is the propitiation of our sins. So when he comes, he comes to uplift the sins. The propitiation. That's what Jesus was doing. Advocacy. And he said, I'm sending another comforter. A comforter. The first 
shadow of a comforter is what? An advocate. And not of us only, but also for the sins of the world. That is, this advocacy is not just for believers. After Jesus went, ascended to heaven, the Holy Ghost is still in his business of advocacy. He's still advocating for the sins of the world. He's still reminding the Father of the blood of Jesus. That's why some, some, some people you, you, you think should have died and not died. Some wicked people they see advocacy for them. And that is the meaning. Without this, you always you will always have a bereaved and broken spirit. I will not leave you comfortless. I will send you another comforter, Paracletus. And the first assignment of the Paracletus is advocacy. Let's see more about this advocacy. advocacy. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews. I want to teach before we pray because we are going to pray. We are going to do what? Pray. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. That means as an advocate, is that kind of advocate that is touched with the feelings of the one he is defending. You know at times when you have a bereaved spirit or an orphan spirit, you always use some words like nobody feels what I feel. Because really there is a depth of pain that nobody can really feel. Do you know that? If somebody has never, for instance, lost a loved one, maybe somebody close, like maybe a parent or somebody very close, or maybe a wife, and is telling you it's painful. In fact, you will not understand until you are touched with the feeling of that loss. there to advocate for you. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You know, legalistic people are people who are not touched by the feelings of the infirmity of others. They just always throw laws on you. Especially when somebody is backsliding also. They just condemn, they just throw yes and because they are not touched. They don't know what it means to be fallen. Do you know one thing about Jesus that was said in prophecy is that a smoky flask he will not quench and a bruised reed he will not break. Do you know what a smoky flask is? It means this, you know, at times when you, you use the fireside, you know, in an African context, when maybe you, you try to light the, the flame and maybe it's, it's, it's just sparking, you know, the flame is just sparking and you know, if you don't blow it, it can just go off. So that's why we call a smoking flask. Hallelujah. He says a smoking flask he will not quench. It is that day. No matter how you backslide, if they see a smoking flask of love for God or remorse for where you are, in your heart, he can still redeem you. He will not allow that to 
of fire to quench. That's how much of a comforter he is. He will not allow you to, I don't know, some challenges that overwhelm you to the point where can you ask, is there God? Even in that, if there's a smoking flask, he will not quench it. He will find the flame and redeem you. That's why there are some people. We, we see, we have examples of people, even like Jonah. God comes in all this direction. And God does go the opposite. He pays his way and goes the opposite. He pays his way into the sin. Have you ever paid your way to sin? You, you use your money and pay, sponsor the sins. And it's going the opposite direction. And even when God sends the way he swallows it, in the midst, he prays a spooky flask he will not quench. That's the ministry of the comfort. The advocate. He is touched with that feeling that, oh, even if they see a small hope still coming up, oh God, I know I have fallen. I am weak. This thing I promised I will not do again. I am still fallen. That spooky flask, don't let it go down. The advocate will fall into faith. A, a, a broken or a, a bruised reed he will not drink. A bruised reed, you know, reeds are plants that grow around the lake, very flexible and very weak. And at times, but the wind can even break the plant. It's so flexible and weak that wind can break it. Meaning that storms of life can break your life and you give up and you are discouraged and you feel you lost people. You, you feel discouraged. They say, even if you are a that's the ministry of the advocate. Amen. Why will he do that? He is touched. He can feel the broken areas of your life. That things will, no matter how you explain to people, they will not feel it. Mm. Sincerely, we are sincere. They love you quite alright, but they cannot be touched in that dimension. But there is somebody who, that's why Bible says we are, we are one bread, we are one body. He that is in Christ is joined with him. So there is a, the way you are so joined with God that if you feel a headache, he feels a headache. If you feel a heart pain, he feels a heart pain. Everything you feel, he shares it. That's the advocate. The comforter. The spirit of adoption. He did, he, he did not leave you comfortless. You, you are not comfortless. You are not comfortless. Amen. There's an advocate. Amen. You are not comfortless. Jesus may not be physically present, but this is what the Holy Ghost is doing in your life. Amen. And at times, if you don't understand this, you realize the Christian walk at times is up, down, up, down, because anxiety, worries come. All these things, but when you know he's present, he shares all those moments of weakness with you. You will always rise. No matter, you will always rise. The second thing about the comforter, the paracletus, is that he's an intercessor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. He's an advocate, he's an intercessor. I want us to know something. Two thirds of the Godhead are intercessors. 
What did I say? Two thirds of the Godhead are intercessors. That means even, <laughs> even God in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son is a leader. In fact, the, His present ministry now is intercession. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's see that in scripture. Romans. Romans chapter 8. Chapter 8. I read verse 32. Okay, I will go to verse 34. So, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's end? It is God that justified. Who is he that condemned? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for the saints. That is his present ministry, he seated at the right hand of the Father, still making intercession. That's the work of an advocate. Do you know that is why even when Peter was about to deny the Lord, because the advocate was there. He said, Satan has desired you that he may see you like it. But the advocate says, I have interceded for you. He, he, he said, my intercession, not like I'm trying to say Jesus' intercession, you know, intercession is not content enough. He said, though I have interceded for you, still for Hallelujah. 
I don't want to talk much about sons. They say, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. This offered spirit is a spirit of bondage. And it says that one of the symptoms of that spirit is that those with this spirit have fear. Fear. At times they have different kinds. And when we talk of fear, fear has different ramifications. You can have a fear of uh, uh, people. You just, you just, you just feel intimidated before. And because of that, your gift cannot find expression before them. No matter how talented you are, you are so talented. But when you stand in front of people, because of that fear, that gift is quenched. A fear of loss, a fear of poverty, a fear of our different kinds of fears. You have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. But it says, you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So it's only by the spirit of adoption that this, this utterance can come out from your spirit or from your mouth. It's only when you have access to the spirit of adoption or you understand the spirit of adoption that you can relate to the Father as Abba, Father. You know, calling God our Father is not just a citation or a punctuation to prayer. Because it's my Father, my Father. At times you say, My Father, my Father. But do you really know Him as Father? Do you really relate to Him as Father? As source, as sustainer. And one of the prerequisites that Jesus gave me for prayer is that when you pray, say, Our Father. So in prayer, the first revelation that was come is Father. So if you have not understood the revelation of God as Father, prayer is, is, is still religious. You don't, you don't pray in anything. When it comes to other revelations, God, God can be known as El Shaddai, El Gibbon, El Roy, Tikeno, different names, all of that. But when it comes to prayer, I say, when you pray, God as Father, our Father, my Abba, Father. And this Abba is that not just, you know, is this, is, is this kind of Father that, that has a, 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 a connotation of intimacy? My Father. My Father. My Father. My Father. I'm not an orphan. No. Karabas. I have a father. Mm. People may reject me. I have a father. Amen. People may castigate me. I have a father. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And if children, then, okay, I, I ask you to say, the spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So it is by the spirit of adoption that your spirit comes to the point of accepting that I am indeed a child of God. This is a basic, let me say, understanding we must have during our new birth experience, our conversion. Hallelujah. But it doesn't just end there. Because at times you don't feel how, how are you calling it? The spirit is very good, my spirit and body. It 
does not end there. The Holy Ghost needs to also bear witness about many other things in your life. That in the presence of this or Christ, God is with you. Especially in these seasons where at times your maturity as a Christian is measured by the number of cars you have. Your maturity as a Christian is measured by your dresses, your so it's only so gain is considered godliness. And when in seasons you don't feel like there's gain in your life, you feel like you are abandoned. You are not making progress. In those seasons, seasons, you need a revelation and an understanding that even in the midst of that, I have an Abba. I have a God. Very present. In fact, all things, even this one, are working together for my good. Amen. It takes the spirit of adoption for you to know that. Because we think that the bare, the witness of the spirit only ends at you knowing I am born again. No, no, no. That in short, you assure you of your, you bear witness that indeed you are that prophet. When other people say you are not, you bear witness indeed that I anointed you. You bear witness with you that indeed go in this thy might. That's the spirit of adoption. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Can we just skip to verse 26? So we spoke of Jesus being an intercessor. I said two thirds of the Godhead are intercessors. So we have seen scriptures that show that Jesus is interceding present. Then now we are looking at the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helped our infirmities. There are inf- there, there, there. <laughs> if you don't understand or know that you have infirmities, you will not benefit from this ministry of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. It is what it is only when you acknowledge that I don't know how to pray that he comes to help you to pray. It is only when you, you, you are out of yourself, when, when, when you know that you don't have the words that he gives you the vocabulary to use. Has the Holy Spirit ever point a prayer point to you? You, you, don't, you, you, are, in a, you are in a mood, you, know, you are faced with a kind of challenge. You don't even know how to pray, and you start this transcript, and it just comes a prayer point. And before you know, you are speaking something in English you did not meet it before you started praying. Yeah. Because he's helping you in that prayer infirmity. That's a comfort. You know, when Jesus was with the disciples, I did not stress, you know. And then Jesus would tell them, feed this crowd. He said, ah, there's no food. <laughs> Jesus would just say, what do you have? Just things were easy. I said, they were easy. Anything they just come and ask. Anything they just come. They were everything they just ask. That's the same way the Holy Ghost wants you to be around him. Wow. It's just that we are so independent. Yeah. There are many things we just feel we can handle. And the Holy Ghost just, I, I can handle it. <laughs> 
until you acknowledge your infirmity. I cannot do it. I, I cannot be by this. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. That is when you are inviting the intercessor, the comforter, to come and help you, to bear witness with you. We know not how to pray. And even if you claim to know how, you don't know what to pray. When you pray, or how long you need to pray. Do you know it may take five years or something to pray? <laughs> but you pray for one witness in your holistic as well. Hey. Have you received witness from that Holy Ghost that indeed it is done? Because even in your prayer, unless you give you a witness that the victory is done, don't, don't come out with You know, I always tell some people that. Faith is optimistic, but not all optimism is faith. Just have just be positive. It's, yes, faith is positive, right? It's, it's a positive attitude towards every problem. Somehow, right? But not all positive attitude towards everything is faith. Yeah. You can be positive in assumption. Spice hmm. yeah. yeah. man of God, I know when the crisis began, those went online and said. His Excellency will die. Yeah. And you can see the confidence in his eyes. What an assumption. And some people will see that optimism as well. I'm not confident with optimism. I tell somebody, say, this thing will happen. Well, I'm checking my spirit with the Holy Ghost. Not all optimism is with somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the Spirit helped us in our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he searched, and he that searched the hearts, knowing what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You can gather scriptures to pray for something that is not the will of God. And fast for one week. Invest a lot of prayer. Pray until your truth dry. And how so true? When it's not the will of God. Amen. It's like you Hallelujah. Amen. The will of God is to be to your prayer point. The will of God is to be to your faith. Amen. When God has determined some things, you can't fit yourself against those things. Yes, by faith, all things are possible. If you have faith, you can just speak to this mountain. Have the faith to speak over if they are speaking like that when the will is not confirming what they are saying for it. So this this advocate aligns your prayer to the will of God. So without this advocate, you will be praying amidst. And you put a lot of effort in it. Put a lot of energy, maybe come out with a batch. I just pray for 10 hours. Come 
Hallelujah. Amen. When this, the advocate, he aligns prayer points to the will of God. Amen. Amen. So, next about uh, the Paracletus is he is a comforter. He is a consoler. Amen. We said he's an advocate. We said he's an intercessor. The last thing is a comforter or a consoler. Amen. Amen. I will just open to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Verse 31. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. He says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were, were multiplied. Hallelujah. He says, And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you know this Acts chapter 9 is a very critical part of the scriptures? Because this is where we have the call of Saul who became Paul. Amen. So this guy was so efficient a terrorist that when the guy was converted, the church had the rest. And the church was comforted. He was a Boko Haram. No, you just go above, above. Just check this answer that night. Hallelujah. The Bible says you go around and, and receive letters. And in those letters were instructions on how to persecute the church. So he received letters from the high priest and the Pharisees on how. And you know, in, in war, like in war, normally when we're doing a, a season of war, at times they always give rules. Like you can kill men, but you hardly hear that they molest women, children, or babies, or old people, you know. It's always a taboo when you hear that during the war. They kill defenseless people like women, children, babies. So those are but in this guy's raid, he will capture children. Even if you are a child, no, he captures you. That's how terrorizing this guy was. And God had to convert the man. And when he was converted, the Bible says now that the church rested. And the church was comforted by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I don't want to go too much in that. Hallelujah. So the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is more efficient, or should I say more potent than the presence of Jesus. If only you can understand the spirit of adoption. If only you can understand his role in your life. He has come to be an advocate. He has come to be an intercessor. He has come to be a consoler. No matter the challenges you are facing in your life, you must understand you are a son. You are a daughter. 
You are not comfortless. You are not an orphan. And when you understand that the insecurity in your life will break, when you understand that the fear in your life will be broken, when you understand that Bible says in Philemon chapter, it's not just one chapter, verse 6, it says, let the communication of your faith be made effective by the acknowledging of every good gift which you have received in Christ Jesus. Meaning that when you understand the spirit of adoption, you understand your inheritance. You know that you have an inheritance because an orphan feels he has no inheritance. He has no backup. He's left alone. Hallelujah. Amen. There will be a baptism of the spirit of adoption in this place. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. There are people who will, in fact, that, that spirit of that bondage of fear. The Bible says you have not received a spirit of fear. You have not received a spirit of timidity. But the spirit of love. You have received a spirit of power and a spirit of a sound man. That means just to combat fear in your life, the scriptures name three things. It says you have received a spirit of love. Meaning at times those feelings of fear you have are not just emotions. Fear is not just an emotion. It's a spirit. Yeah. A tormentor that brings you back into bondage. And even the scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 that Jesus, when he was crucified, he was to be delivered us from the spirit of bondage which held us through fear. Because fear put you in bondage. What faith is to us in the kingdom of God is what fear is to the devil. So when you give place to fear, you are giving place to the enemy. Hallelujah. He said, but you have received a spirit of love. Somebody has to think of that river of love again. Amen. That river of love. Amen. God loves you. God cares for you. A spooky flask he will not quench. I don't care how you came this season. I don't care. Maybe you feel like you're backsliding. You feel like they, 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 there are some areas in your life that are now a spooky flask. You are, you, are, you, are, you are feeling like the fire is quenching. Hmm. The advocate is here to find you to flame. Amen. He's here to find you to flame. Amen. Until you become a place again. Amen. That seal of the Lord. Jesus said, The seal of the Lord has eaten me up. Hey, yes. The seal of the Lord. The seal. The seal of the Lord. That is the spirit of love. That means love is not just <laughs> an emotion. There is a spirit that is fueling love. Yeah. You have said you have received a spirit of love. That means love has a spirit dimension of it. Mm. That means there is a way you can love somebody to the point to a point that that your love no longer becomes a natural love. That your love is aided by a spirit. <laughs> Yay. That's what we call agape love. I, I remember watching the supernatural and I remember sharing with some of my friends about the fact that one of the greatest miracles I've ever seen was a reconciliation of a man of God and his wife. I, I keep saying that as I said, as I said, God, you need to help me to do this. Mm. The wife was 
He's a pastor and his wife was canceling a young man who just gave his life to Christ. And in the process of the canceling, they got into an affair. She was she was white, he was black, and she ended up pregnant for that man. And when she felt got pregnant, she went to the husband and confessed to him. When she confessed to him, the guy got so angry, he left the house, went to see his spiritual father. Ah, we pray for such spiritual fathers. Mm. My God, that kind of guy. I, I also pray for humility to receive such cancer. <laughs> because you can see here that cancer and this guy. He said that the father's love covers, the father's love was not exposed. Mm. He said, this is time for you to cover your wife. Hey. And the guy had to abandon ministry and relocate, leave his state. He was in the US, he's, a, he's, a, he's an American. He, he abandoned ministry for his wife just to hide it. That dimension of love. For you to give up ministry, hey. for a woman who just betrayed you. That is, that is not normal love. That love is needed by his spirit. And he abandoned the ministry. He was he went and the woman gave birth. And I tell you that child was not white. Yeah. That child was very black. <laughs> and that means the child, every day he sees the child, that child reminds him of the sin of his wife. I've never seen that child. That one is greater than the reason they did. Mm. The men of God have raised dead and healed creepers as they you. That miracle! Only a spirit can touch a man's heart to love like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. And he himself named the child after himself. He gave the child his name. He adopted, he said, You are my son. And you are not different from all my other children. Yeah. And it's only after about seven or ten years that he could recover ministry that he went back into ministry and God started using him to reconcile families. And that's how we got to know him because he came to a supernatural to give a testimony. And he was just walking the woman and he was shouting and smiling all of them. I was like, what? <laughs> I cannot comprehend this kind of love. Ah! And then I showed the picture of that's Joshua. In the name of the child was Joshua. That's Joshua is her son. I was like, what? <laughs> no, that, 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 that's not love in this human being. Yeah. Uh, that's what love in this like that. Hey, Why understand this love you forgive your father? Mm -hmm. Because when I talk of an orphan spirit, it's not just people who, whose parents may physically be dead. So of your parents may see the alive physically, but to you they are dead. To you, you feel fatherless. A spirit of love. I I am dead. I'm honest. 
you care, you, you give your hypocrisy, your hypocrisy to yourself. But for me, I will need to go on my knees and say, help me. Help me. Ha! And the spirit of the sound mind, that means bad thoughts. Because at times you are just suppressing bad thoughts, you suppress, they come back, you suppress. You know, there's a type of way in wrestling, even if you take down your opponent and put on the ground and press it, then they will tell you get tired and say, let me leave. You will get more upon you. <laughs> That's how we suppress some thoughts, suppress some things. After some time, say, hey man, don't think small with it. Pamini. But there's a dimension where you are no longer the one left boring to secure a sound mind. That goes through mind that when you see a man, you make him. You are not the one who comes The spirit comes to aid your mind and delete everything. And all your mind just aligns and you start thinking all the righteous thoughts. It's a spirit, it's a, it's a, it's a spirit of a sound mind. At times you just realize you just have a wicked heart. Let's be honest. You just look at a brother you love so much and you have heard something about that. Somehow you just you just wish he feels. What's that the the works of the that, that just coming up? But when the spirit of adoption comes, he aids you in that area. And you, you cannot be a wrong person. Then you bring back to you see, look, I still love him. And at times people they feel that they watch you. Yeah. A spirit of a sound mind. Somebody will be from here with that spirit. Amen. Those bad thoughts will be struggling to suppress. Mm. No, 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 no longer be something you are. A spirit will come to aid you. Amen. To put them down. Amen. To cast down those thoughts. Those Shabra Shabra that are above the knowledge of God in your life. Mm. A Amen. Hmm. Like a sharp hairy sword. He said, "And the spirit of power, power. We need power. We need power. The worst thing to 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 to, to the worst position to be is, you know, to know you are helpless in this situation." You're helpless, you're, 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 you have no capacity. And the scripture is telling us you have a spirit of power. So the Holy Ghost did not just come in your life. He said, Ye shall receive power. Did he say, Ye shall receive tongues? Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. It means that when the Holy Ghost comes, whatever you do in your life will translate to power, you mm. will translate to authority. You will translate to communion to the point where where you go, you have authority over circumstances. The same circumstances that defeated you, look at them, speak to them, and alter them, and put them under your feet. A spirit of power. Hallelujah. Amen. A spirit of love and a spirit of a sound. Can we just begin to do shit? Kabbalah, 
सप्ताह में करें
barra con esta pata cata. Ahí corto, 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 corto. La pata cata, cata.